You know what else I love, Micah? Me? Yes, I love you. <laughs> this I is my husband, it. by the way. <laughs> but also, I love food. Um, I'm wondering how many other people love food in here. Um, I'm guessing quite a few. Quite a few people love food. I was thinking about food this week and how our memories are attached to food. Because food is, is such, like, you, you eat food, but it involves all your senses. Like, you, you see the food, you smell the food. And so, so often, we have special memories attached to food. I grew up in, in Guinea, West Africa, and so when I smell peanut sauce, like, that just takes me back to the village. Like, I'm, I'm in Africa when I smell any sort of sauce made with peanuts. Um, Occasionally, I'll make crepes at the house and, and put Nutella over them. If you ever had a warm crepe with, like, melting chocolate on it, I, when I make that, that takes me back to Italy. When, when I was walking the streets of Italy and they have these giant, like, giant griddles or whatever you call them, crepe griddles that are circular and they make these huge crepes and then they put all the filling inside it and they fold it. And I remember I ate so many of those. <laughs> I ate so many of them. You probably have some, some memories attached to Thanksgiving or Christmas, like that one food that you always have that special holiday. We have a lot of memories attached to food, and today we're actually going to be um, talking, continuing our series, and we're going to be talking about the Passover um, and, and the Passover meal that came from, uh, to remember, the first Passover. And so we're going to be talking about food and memories associated with food. All right, before we get into the Passover conversation, let's back up just a little bit and re- recap where we're at in the story of Moses. Moses, born in a time when Pharaoh uh, had um, declared all male Israelite children uh, killed at birth. He was trying to uh, um, wipe out a large section of the Israelite population uh, because they had become too numerous. Uh, Israel was enslaved in Egypt under an incredibly cruel Pharaoh. In time, uh, Moses uh, actually survives that and is raised in the Pharaoh's household. Pharaoh's daughter finds him and raises him. Uh, In time, he sees the injustice of his people and he lashes out against an Israelite and flees the nation. Actually, yes, sorry, lashes out against an Egyptian. And he's forced to flee the nation. And for the next 40 years, he'll live as a shepherd in Midian uh, outside of Egypt there and until God comes to to him in the form of a burning bush. And he says, uh, it's time, Moses. I've heard the cry of my people, and I'm inviting you to lead them out of Egypt. And Moses comes up with all his excuses, uh, many of them quite valid. He is not capable of this job, but God says he is, that God is capable, and he will use Moses to accomplish these purposes. So Moses goes to Pharaoh, and he says, let our people go. We want to go out to 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 offer sacrifices to our God in the deserts. And uh, Pharaoh says, no, who is this God that you speak of? You see, Pharaoh knew many, many gods in Egypt, but he did not know the God of the Israelites. And so uh, Moses says, uh, please understand, there are consequences if you choose not to let our people go. And so God begins to demonstrate to Pharaoh, to the Israelites, and to all the world, his power over the gods of Egypt. 
through nine plagues that we looked at last week, uh, God demonstrated to them his power over the gods of the Nile and the gods of the harvest and all of these gods. Um, And so nine plagues in, uh, Pharaoh continues to be hardened and to say, no, your people cannot go. There was little glimpses of him relenting. But of course, as soon as the plagues were lifted and life got easier for him, he's hard again. And he says, no, your people cannot go. The slavery and the corruption continue. And so today, the 10th and final plague as Pharaoh drives the Israelite people out of his country. Invite you to follow along with me. We'll be reading in Exodus chapter 12, starting in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then um, they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of their door frames of their houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, uh, but roasted over the fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left until morning, uh, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat, with your cloak tucked into your belt and your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. I think it's appropriate to pause and um, recognize the tragedy, um, the, the severity of this moment in the Bible. It's appropriate to pause and say, um, to have come to this point that God would bring a plague of that severity upon the people of Egypt is a tragic moment in world history, in the story of what is happening here. I'll point out a couple significant things about the final plague that we see. Um, First of all, well, it's horrible. Um, It's tragic in nature. Um, It parallels the action of Egypt and the Egyptians as uh, a pharaoh had been committing genocide against all the male children of the Israelite people. You see somewhat of a parallel here. The firstborn of each household would die in this final plague. And secondly, we remember that God is uh, has expressed, even in this text here, I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I 
am the Lord. And of course, one of the gods of Egypt is Pharaoh himself, a self-proclaimed god. He is, he, he is to be considered and treated as a deity. And so finally, as even Pharaoh loses his firstborn, the next deity in line in Egypt, uh, God is declaring uh, dominion over uh, all the gods of Egypt, including this man Pharaoh. So as God reveals to Moses and Aaron what's about to happen, I think it's really interesting here that um, God says that this is this marks a new beginning for Israel. In fact, this is going to be the first month of your year. Like everything's going to reset and restart right here. This is going to be a, an event that is so significant that I want you to mark your calendars by this event. And then God gives um, very detailed instruction um, on, on what this Passover is to be like. And we notice as we read, there's lots of details about the lamb. The lamb was really significant. The lamb is to be without defect, and they were to care for it for, for two weeks, and then they were to kill the lamb, and then the, the blood of the lamb is, is what they were to paint on the door frame, and the blood of the lamb was the sign that that's, that God would pass over that household, and that household would not suffer the plague. And then even how they ate it, was very specific. Here's what you are to wear. Put put on all your gear like you're about to to leave Egypt. Here they'd been here for 400 years as slaves and God's like trust me on this. Go ahead and prepare. Put on all your gear, hold your staff and stand up as if you're you're about to leave. You're eating this meal in haste and even to some of the little details like the 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 bread without yeast because you're not going to have time to raise the bread. Just make it and eat it. We're about to go. And so it happens in Exodus chapter 12, verse 28, the Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night and there was loud wailing in Egypt for there was not a house without someone dead. Can you just imagine... This night, imagine the, the, the heaviness mixed in with the anticipation. All, all this that is happening. I, I am struck by how the Israelites did all this prep work before this final plague. Like they listened to what God had to say and they fought, they, they obeyed God's instructions and then God followed through with what he said would happen. And it's like Micah said, it's so sad that it took the deaths of, of all these firstborns for, for Pharaoh to relent and allow the Israelites to leave. And we're going to be talking more about that, them actually leaving Egypt next week. But this is, this is a really monumental event for Israel. Absolutely. So much so uh, that God commands the people every year from here on out, I want you to commemorate this moment that I brought you out of Egypt, that I passed over your household with a meal. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 17, then we'll jump ahead to 24. It says, celebrate the festival of unleavened bread, also called Passover. 
because it was on this very day that I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you, as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Tell them it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of Israel in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshipped. So there are three main festivals that are called the pilgrim festivals uh, for, for the Jewish people. And these are the festivals in which Jews all over the world travel to Jerusalem. And one of them is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, or also called the Passover. And God here gives instructions to remember and celebrate what I have done on this day. And that is to bring you out of this 400 years of slavery. And so it's a, it's a festival that celebrates God's deliverance, that celebrates the liberation of God's people. And still today, Jews all over the world celebrate and remember the Passover. In fact, there's a lot of, of beautiful, rich Passover traditions. If you want to look into that, if you're unfamiliar with that, in the, in the Passover meal, the Seder meal is, is very significant for the Jews. There's th- this whole process of prepping the house for for the festival. It's like spring cleaning times a hundred <laughs> before the Passover. And then there's like often families with kids do this hide and seek game with, with the yeast because you're not supposed to have any yeast in the family. And it's this, this fun game to make sure that there's no leavened bread. There's no yeast in the household. And then you sit down at the tables or you recline if, you know, depending on, on the culture where you're at. You recline at the table, and the story of the Passover is read. The story of God delivering the Israelites um, from Egypt is read. And there's this emphasis on looking backwards at how God has delivered his people. And also, today, there's a big emphasis on looking forward. So what deliverance needs to happen today? And so there's often conversations about justice and social justice and who's oppressed and, 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 and praying that God would continue to provide liberation as needed today. And then, of course, let's not forget the food, all the memories tied with the food. There's a lot of different traditions, but the three main foods that we see here in Scripture is the lamb. You know, the, the lamb that was killed and the blood was the sign uh, for, for God to pass over that household. So there was the lamb, the unleavened bread, because they didn't have enough time for the bread to rise, and, and it shows the haste, that the expectation that the Israelites had, and then the bitter herbs that are to symbolize the bitterness of slavery. So, as I mentioned last week, Exodus would become paradigmatic. That is, it would be a paradigm through which 
Israel and eventually the church would understand the way God rescues his people, that God does not abandon his people, that God is faithful to his covenant, that God will redeem and rescue his people. And, and Exodus becomes this paradigm through which uh, we'll, we'll both understand that and we will in fact see very similar things play out uh, both in Jesus and in the church in time to come. So now it's my job to fast forward 3,000 years, okay? So we, we see this Passover event taking place as God is releasing his people, freeing his people from slavery, releasing them from Egypt's bondage. Um, And for the next 3,000 years, uh, Passover will be celebrated every year by the Jewish people. They'll head out into the desert, right? Uh, and they'll, they'll head towards Canaan, this promised land, this, this land that God had promised their forefather, Abraham. And on the way, each year, they're going to celebrate this Passover feast. Uh, eventually, they'll take the land of Canaan, they'll conquer that land, and they'll build, rebuild the cities, right? And each year, as they're rebuilding, they'll celebrate this Passover. They'll, they'll continue to trust in God and lean on Him as God makes their nation prosperous and successful. And they'll continue to celebrate every year this Passover feast. God is faithful, right? But in time, as is human nature, and as we see play out over and over in the story of Scripture, uh, they begin to lose sight of God, of his faithfulness, of his expectations on their lives. And though they'll continue to celebrate Passover uh, in in most of their households, uh, they'll begin to veer from God and his commands and his teachings. In time, uh, God will hand the nation of Israel over to foreign powers. Uh, Babylon and then Rome will rule over the nation of Israel. Each year in their homes, they'll still celebrate this Passover. And all of a sudden, it has a huge significance. As they both look back to God rescued us out of Egypt, but now under the oppression of Rome, people are crying out during Passover, God, will you rescue us? The God who rescues and redeems his people. And in fact, now 3,000 years later, after all this history of Israel, uh, God is going to come and rescue his people. I can only imagine the Passovers prior to Jesus' ministry as as people are dreaming of this warrior king who will come and conquer Rome and free our people. Remember how Exodus is going to be the paradigm of the way God rescues his people? What in fact will happen, instead of a warrior king named Jesus coming and ruling over Rome and taking them in war, God will again send a Passover lamb a sacrificial lamb. In the Gospel of John, we read in the first chapter, the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Without knowing the history, that may not, they may not seem like a significant statement, but this is in a Jewish context. They know about the Exodus. They know about the Passover and the Passover lamb that the Israelites, the blood that they painted on the door, the lamb that they ate every year to remember God's deliverance. And John says, behold, the Lamb of God 
that takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God was the sign of God's salvation, that God would come and God would save. In the law, you, you see animal sacrifices that took away sin, but they were temporary. And here is a very different type of lamb, the lamb of God. In Isaiah 53, in, in one of the prophecies that talk about the suffering servant, the righteous servant that will come and deliver uh, people of all their sin and iniquity, will justify people That servant is called the Lamb, a Lamb. The Lamb of God has come. So that at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, John identifies him as the Lamb of God who has come uh, for the sin of the world. Uh, Three years later, Jesus has been ministering. He's been walking from town to town with his disciples in tow, and he's been teaching about the kingdom of God, saying it has come and it is still coming in its fullness. Eventually, the religious rulers of the day lash out against Jesus. Uh, they um, uh, feeling threatened by him and uh, the, the changes that his uh, gospel, his good news would bring about in their nation uh, have set out to have him killed. And just before he'll be arrested, he sits down with his closest followers for a Passover meal. Again, this Passover meal that for 3,000 years now has been celebrated, a God who redeems, a God who frees his people, Jesus, knowing he's about to be arrested and crucified, sits down at that very meal with his closest followers. In Mark chapter 14, while they were eating that Passover meal, Jesus took bread, uh, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, take it, this is my body. Uh, Then he took a cup, and when he gave it to them, and, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the day I drink it new in the kingdom of God. At this Passover meal, as they sat there with the lamb and the bread and the wine and all the things that they do, right? They would, they would eat some element and then, uh, they would, uh, sing a song, re- being reminded that, that God is the God of harvest. And so we drink this, remembering the God who redeems. And throughout this Passover meal on this night, just before Jesus arrests, um, he, he, he starts breaking in uh, to the tradition, to the regular elements with little uh, comments. For instance, they'll sing a song, thank you God for, for the fruit of the vine, and they'll take a drink of their wine, and then he says, one of you is going to betray me, right? The one who dips his hand in the bowl with me, and in fact, that's all of them, right, that have dipped their hand in that bowl. We think of Judas, absolutely, but soon they will all abandon him as he's uh, arrested, Right, uh, and then he, you know, they they do a next element in the service in in the Passover meal, and then he says, "Hey, this bread. From now on, I'm doing something new with this." So, well, Israelite people still observe Passover, and well, one of these years we should do Passover together, a meal together. That would be beautiful and wonderful. Um, Jesus says, "But I'm going to do something different with these elements as well." Um, this is going to transition, morph into something new. He says, this bread will represent my body. 
And he says, this fruit of the vine will represent my blood. Jesus, the Passover lamb, just before his arrest and crucifixion says, I want you to remember who I am. Uh, the sacrificial lamb of God that brings forgiveness and new hope in this world that redeems God's people. So today, as a community, we want to take communion together. And communion, um, we call it communion, we call it the Lord's Supper, we've called it the Eucharist. Um, but it's, it's, it's a, a symbolic meal like the Passover. And our purpose in taking communion is to remember Jesus. Like all those memories attached to food, this is one just... Um, one way that we can remember who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. That Jesus is the Lamb of God that brings salvation, that brings hope, that brings healing to us and to our communities and to the world. The Lamb of God that brings about deliverance and liberation. This is who Jesus is and 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 what he has done on the cross is is demonstrate to us how God gives of God's self God gives of God's self to draw us in to offer forgiveness to bring about hope and salvation and our invitation even today 2000 or plus years after Jesus our invitation is to say yes, to acknowledge who Jesus is, the Lamb of God, to acknowledge what he has done, and then to accept this invitation to follow him, invitation to follow Jesus and to join in God's mission to heal and restore this world, to bring about goodness and love. And in that journey of becoming that we're committed to as a church, we are so not there. Okay, we're so not perfect. But the, the commitment is to go on this journey together, following Jesus and becoming more like him, becoming more like that divine love that gives of, of God's self to bring about healing and restoration. And so we invite you today to take communion. I'm going to have the, the band come back up and we're going to sing one of the songs together. And, and at any point during this song, I invite you to come to the center. And it's not by accident that the communion is set up in the center of everything because what, what we do as a people, Jesus is to be at the very center of what we do. And I invite you to take, um, a piece of unleavened bread, a cracker, um, a piece of unleavened bread, and there's the regular option, there's a gluten-free option there, and to take a little cup of juice to represent Jesus' body, and to take that just to remember that Jesus is the Lamb of God, that through Jesus we have hope and we have salvation, and to thank God for this. Let's pray, and then we'll... we'll take that time. God, thank you for this time, for an opportunity to remember um, our sacrificial lamb, Jesus. And God, thank you for your love that you would send. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice that you would um, submit to this plan, that you would give yourself for others. Um, 
God, teach us uh, as we take this communion. Um, teach us to be people that give of, give of ourselves uh, for the sake of others as well. Jesus, thank you um, for your body, for the blood. In Jesus' name, amen.